my great honour to be able to share uh, the Word with you. I'm going to share from a passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 9. Uh, which is a really familiar passage of Scripture. If you've been in church uh, any length of time, you've probably heard uh, of this passage being preached on, uh, maybe going through kids' church, maybe you've read it many, many times. But I think there's something powerful about going over a story that we uh, all know. I think some of the most memorable times of being a parent is sitting on my kid's bed at the end of the day and reading their favourite story, is that they never, ever grow tired of that story. Is that, And this morning... I I'd love you to position yourself in the midst of this story, is to immerse yourself in it, maybe take on one of the roles of the characters. And as I preach, I pray Holy Spirit would bring a fresh revelation to us. It's not just a, oh, it's this one again, uh, is that we'd immerse ourselves in the story and that God would teach us something. I, I love the nature and the character of God that every day is a day of discovery uh, to find His fullness. And so we're going to read a passage of Scripture out of uh, Luke chapter 9. It's the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And the title of my message is A Feast in the Fragments. Is that this is the biggest crowd that Jesus has ever ministered to? Like there's 5,000 men plus women and children in a deserted place on a hillside there, and there's this incredible miracle of provision that takes place, but also so much more than just a miracle of provision. So let's pick up the story, Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read from verse 1. It says this, or verse 10. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. And then Jesus took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. Is I love that Jesus commissions you and I to go into all our world. He gives the apostles authority and they go out into the world and they heal the sick, they preach the kingdom of God and now they've come back from that journey and they're giving their reports to Jesus about the incredible things that took place and not that Jesus didn't want to hear the great stories of what had been accomplished in His name but He says to them, why don't we just come aside? Let's stop talking about the ministry reports and things that took place. Let's go into a deserted place and we can just spend some time with me. As sons and daughters of God, we are designed to do the work of the kingdom, but also to be in relationship with God. And it's out of our relationship with God that we are then commissioned and empowered to go and to change the world around about us. And the, the story goes on. It says, but when the multitudes knew it, they followed Jesus and Jesus received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. And Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. It's been a long day for the disciples. Have you ever had a long day? And you're just hungry, you're, you're hangry almost there. Is I can picture the disciples are like this. And the Word of God says that the day had worn on. Have you ever had a day, a week, a month, a season that's just worn at you? It's wedged you down over a period of time. And here the disciples are at the end of this long day. And they are worn out. They are just saying to Jesus, just send the crowd away. Let them go back to their own homes and villages, get food, have a night's sleep, that also that we could eat at this time. And maybe you find yourself in a season of life where you have just 
been worn down, the day has worn you out, is that life hasn't necessarily turned out how you anticipated life would turn out, is that life has taken its toll on you, whether physically, and emotionally, spiritually, financially, is that at different times in all of our lives, we get worn down, but in those worn down times, I've got some really good news for you, it's always an opportunity for God to move. And we've got to stay in a place of confidence and faith and belief that God is on our side. Is that no matter what life throws at us, how worn down we are or worn out we are, it's an opportunity for God to move over our lives. And so they say, Jesus, just send them away. But Jesus then finishes with this, says, well, why don't you just give them something to eat? Is that Jesus sees a natural need and says, we have to feed them. The disciples are like, how on earth are we going to feed this incredible multitude of people? Have you ever noticed that God puts you and I in a position where we can't get what needs to be gotten? And we have to see the picture here is that these guys, we're not on a farm here. We're in the middle of a desert and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Is that God at different times will lead you and I into the desert for the purpose of discovering who God really is, that He is our Jehovah Jireh. He is a God of great provider. He'll take us into desert times and desert seasons of our life to bring out the full character and the nature of who God actually is. And so if you find yourself in a deserted place, that's a great place to be because it's there you can discover another aspect of the great identity, the nature of God, that only God can come through in those times. Here in this passage of Scripture, I'm reminded that you and I are so aware of scarcity and lack. But our Heavenly Father, the Kingdom of God, knows nothing about scarcity, knows nothing about lack at all. And so when you and I are in that place, is that we can look in great confidence to our Heavenly Father. He's our dad today that has an unending source of supply available to each and every one of us. And so for the rest of this message, I'm gonna go through this great miracle story and stop and give some thoughts around it. My first thought is this, is to, in order to see the miracle of multiplication take place, we have to recognise what we actually have. Verse 13 and 14 of Luke 9, it says, but Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said back to him, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all of these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Is, uh, we have to recognise what God has placed in our life, in our hands and in our house. I find throughout the Word of God is that God is always searching and seeking for humanity to discover what they actually have. Do you realise what you are sitting on today? Of what God has invested inside of your life? And all the way through the Word of God, God is just trying to get us to identify, to recognise what we actually have. There's a great story in 2 Kings chapter 4. In verse 1 it says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take away my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? As the God's always searching for you and I to identify, recognise what we are actually carrying. What do you have in your house? She gives some thought to it and she says these words, your, your maidservant has nothing. After consideration, she says, you know what? I have absolutely nothing in my 
house. I wanna let you know today is so often we default back to we have nothing, but we never have nothing. We always have something. And there are times we see that we are empty, but we're never completely empty. There are times when we say we've got nothing at all, but there is always something. And here the, the prophet is pressing upon her, would you please identify something that you have in your house? And her immediate response is, I have nothing. I pray that your response would never be, I have nothing. Wow. And she thinks a little bit more and she says, but. Would you and I always add that but in in a good way? And she says, but I have a jar of oil. That that's all that God needs. You and I can consider that thing as nothing, but God identifies it as something that He can work with in order to create a great miracle in her life and in her family. In such a devastating time for her and her boys, God's just saying, would you please just recognise something that I can bless, something that I can work with. And she said, I've got a jar of oil. The prophet says to the sons, get go. Just go around the streets, get every container you have. Go to every Tupperware party across your city. I want you to bring back every container here. And says to mum, start pouring. And she just started pouring. Moments earlier, she said, I have nothing. But now she recognises she has something and God is doing something remarkable with what she has identified. She keeps pouring and pouring vessel after vessel after vessel. The miracle stops when a hand is empty. Would you and I always recognise this? Recognise that there is something in our lives that God can actually work with. God says to Moses in Exodus 2 and verse 4, He says to Moses, well, what's, what's in your hand? And Moses looked down and said, well, it's a rod. And uh, not that I have time to go into it, but great miracles took place purely because Moses put himself in a position where he recognised what he was carrying. And maybe God's asking you today, what's that in your hand? Uh, what's that dream that's in your heart? Well, what's that possibility that I can do for you? And I pray that you'd say, oh, it's not, I have nothing, God. No, 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 I have this. Never, never, never be embarrassed by what you have. Never be embarrassed by what God has given to you because if you and I release it to Him, He can work upon it. So what do you have is that miracles of multiplication will always begin when you and I recognise what we have is that Jesus cannot multiply that which we have not recognised. And we hear in this story, this account, is that the disciples have located a lad, a lad's lunch, he has five loaves and two fish. I don't know, I don't know if they've followed him all day long just looking for an opportunity to steal his lunch. They're so hungry, I don't know how they notice that, but they come and they bring it to Jesus, that five loaves, two fish, something seems so insignificant. In amongst the crowds of thousands and thousands and thousands, sometimes you and I can think that what we carry is insignificant. But in the hands of God, oh, it's more than enough. It's more than enough. Sometimes we think that God can't do anything with what we have, that it really won't make a difference. And Jesus is just simply saying, would you give it to me? Just give it to me. There are times that's in our lives where we look at the great dream that we have in our heart, the desire for future, and we look at the dream in our heart and then we look and see what we're holding in our hands and it's a total mismatch. It's like, how can this ever, ever take place? I, I can't accomplish that because I just don't have enough in my hands in order to see that dream, that vision come to pass. And God's simply just saying to each and every one of us, would you just give it to me? Jesus is saying here, would, would you just let, my, let me get my hands on what's in your hands? 
Would you just give me access to what you are carrying right now and you're going to see the great miracle of multiplication. He's saying, your five loaves and two fish, they don't scare me. Just let me get my hands on what's in your hands. So often we have this concept of lack or we don't have enough and it's such a lie. We can say we don't have enough finance, enough education, enough experience. And maybe for some fields and industries you don't. And maybe you have to gain that knowledge, but the different times don't allow the not enough syndrome to grab a hold of you because whatever God has deposited in your life is more than enough. That gift, that talent, that ability, it's more than enough. And so would you recognise what you have? Uh, the second thought around multiplication is would you release what you have recognised? Verse 16, it says, Then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fishes. That's remarkable. I want you to put yourself in the story today, hey? Put yourself here. Take on one of the characters in the story. Is that Jesus looks at the five loaves and two fish and says this, that'll do me. So whatever you and I place in his hands, he simply says, well, that'll do me. I can work with that. And sometimes we can think, well, God, God can't use that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just simply saying, hey, put it in my hands and see what can take place. We see, we have to position ourselves for the miracle of multiplication, the miracle of fruitfulness. And I found there's some things that we just have to let go of in order to see that miracle come to pass. There's, some of us need to let go of control. Others need to let go of our historical perspective of how God moves, is that he moved like this last time, so I expected to move like this. So no, 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 God can move in any way he wants to move. And some of us have to deal with our historical perspective of how God will move, because my historical perspective over time has limited God at different times because I'm expecting to move in the same way. No, 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 he, he can do whatever he desires to do. God, would you mess with that thinking there? Is we've got to trans, you know, get our thoughts into this place where the Word of God says that his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways. Is, is today, would you let go of something? Would you release what you've identified into the hands of God? I want you to jump in the story right now. There's five loaves, two fish. They're being held in natural hands. And then right now, Jesus takes the loaves and the fishes. There is a transfer. There is a release from natural hands into holy hands. There's a release of five loaves and two fishes from natural hands into omnipotent hands. A release of five loaves, two fish into hands that are all powerful, that are all knowing, all present. Would you dare to release what you have recognised? It's just five loaves, it's just two fish. There's maybe 10, 12, 15,000 people there. No, would you release what you have recognised? I have found that the nature of God is always to accept what we give Him. I've found over the years that every day is that God accepts my greatest mistake. He accepts my greatest failure. He accepts an insufficient meal of five loaves and two fish. He accepts the most expensive bottle of perfume. I've found the only thing that God doesn't accept from you and I is half-heartedness, is duplicity of heart that men and women would stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Is that God will take everything from us except a heart that's full of duplicity. If you wanna serve God, serve God, hey. There's no other option, it's all in. And here, when you're in a position, you recognise what you have, would you release that? Would you allow faith to be attached to it, an expectation, a belief that only God can do what God needs to do? In my hands, it's limited in His hands. It is unlimited. As long as you and I determine that five loaves and two fish 
in our hands and in God's hands isn't going to do anything, just hang on to it. But God's not designed us to hang on to it. Would you release it? Irrespective of what we think of it, irrespective of being insufficient to feed the crowd. Because I found this, is that whatever you and I place in the hands of God, God's promises become activated over that gift, not my promises. <laughs> and so often I have things attached. God, if I do this, if I give you this, and this, this is how it's gonna outwork and outcome. No, no, no. As soon as I release something in the hands of God, it's then God's promises that are activated, not Mike Mulheron's promises on that side. Because if I want my promises to be activated, I'm gonna play tug of war with God a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna give him stuff and say a couple of weeks later, you know what, I wanna get that back. You know that time I said, I, want, I need to redeem that time for some other purpose. No, if you're gonna put something in the hands of God, just cast it on the waters. Because you never know when it's gonna come back, seven or eight days or whenever. I, I know this, if you and I knew the date of the return of sowing time, a gift, a talent, finances, if we knew when God was going to bring it back to us, we'd be sowing a lot much more than what we're sowing right now. If he said to you, in 14 days, Saturday week, you sow some time into your neighbour today, you're gonna reap an incredible harvest. Back to you. You know what? You and I would be sowing into that neighbour 24-7. Because we know there's an end date. But we, we tend carefully thinking, oh, I, don't, I can't, can't invest too much because I don't know when it's gonna come back to me. I can't invest too much of my gift and talent because I might end up exhausted because I don't know when it's gonna come back to me. No, 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 no. All in. Yeah. It's an all in philosophy mentality because God's promises are activated, not my promises. Because I'll cast it out and I'll just say, I need it back now. I want it back. You know, whatever you release, put it back into the hands of an almighty God. The story goes on. My third thought is, is that whatever you put in God's hands is that God will bless it. He's a faithful God. Verse 16, it says that Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed. See, it has to be blessed before it can be multiplied. And God is the great blesser. I want to just want time out here right now for this. I just want to explain something to you. This is the first time outside of the days of creation where God blesses a non-breathing object. It's remarkable and it gives us a great confidence and hope moving forward is that God can actually bless things that we place in His hands. The first time He blesses something that does not have breath outside of creation. Days one through to four of creation is that God fashions the earth, He separate, puts water there, separates the land, sets the, you know, the sun, the moon, the stars in place. Days one through to four, similar pattern. Day five, He creates the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. At the end of that day, He does something so different. Is it said, God says, God blesses them and says to be fruitful and multiply. Day six is that God creates the, the animals that walk on the planet, uh, then also takes and fashions the dust of the earth and breathes the breath of life into humanity. At the end of day six, the same pattern as day five, but so different to the first four days, it says, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. We then go into Genesis chapter two, and it says this, is that God blessed the seventh day. God blessed it as a day of reference and as a holy day, a day of rest. This is the first time where God blesses something that does not have breath 
And now we stand 2,000, thousands of years later. Jesus is in a deserted place. He has a limited meal of five loaves and two fish. And he says, I'm gonna bless it. So anything you and I can put it in the hands of God that doesn't even have breath is that God says, I can now bless that. He creates a whole new pattern for you and I of believing. He's gonna bless my kids, they have breath but he's gonna bless whatever I put into his hands as well that does not have breath because that's the pattern of God. He recreates a whole pattern here for you and I to know that when we put it in his hands, it's not the end of it. He says, I'm gonna bless it. And I'm gonna cause the enlargement of the kingdom of God to come. And so whatever you put into his hands, he says, I'm gonna bless that thing. The blessing of God, the stamp of his approval, his favour, his grace over our lives. It says, and God took that and he blessed it. I encourage you today is so often we curse what God wants to bless. We have to stop cursing what God has placed in our life and belittle it and compare it and put it down. No, no, no. Today, don't curse what God wants to bless. Is look at what you have in your life. It may not look so big and enlarged right now. It may not look valuable. It may not look like it have great impact in the world around about. But when God blesses it, It changes completely. Don't curse it. Would you you give God some time to speak over that which you give Him? Just give Him some moments to speak. We're so quick to action. Would we just let Jesus speak? The time where Jairus' daughter has died and Jesus just walks into her room and closes the door and He starts to speak. Little girl, get up. Would you just let him speak over your life? There are times where you've just worked and you've worked and you've worked and you've caught nothing all night. Would you just give him some time to speak? I understand you've toiled so hard, but would you launch out again into the deep? Go, go to a place where you've never been before and throw your nets over. Would you just give him some time to speak to your life? And here, he's just given some time to consider an insufficient meal. He says, you know what? I'm gonna bless that. I'm going to bless it. Let's see what takes place. Would you give God just some time to speak? It's when His promises are activated, not Mike Mulheron's promises at that time. Would you allow Him to bless it? Genesis 12 and verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. Is that God blesses us, not, not just so that we'd have a great name and a great reputation. God blesses us so that we'd be a blessing to others. And here he blesses just a few loaves and a couple of fish and feeds a multitude of people there. Is that God wants to bless us in order that we could be a blessing to others around about us. Is that God blesses what we give him, not for their worth, but because his power will make them worthy of his praise. Would you recognise what you have and would you release what you have recognised and would you allow God to bless it? Right now we're gonna just take up our offering. I, I want you to put yourself in the picture right now. I know for me, whenever, whenever I release anything for myself now, I, I put myself in the story. Whether it's a time, whether it's mowing a neighbour's lawn, whether it's Nadine cooking a meal and we're delivering it, you know, whether it's sewing in financially, I put myself in the picture now that I, there's a transference that takes place from my natural hand, my natural world, into the hands of an all-powerful God. 
It's like it's, it's such a transfer. It's such an exchange. It's a, it's a holy moment. And so this morning, you know, so many of you know the ways in which you give are gonna be on the screen there. There's information desk and FBOS in the foyer, all the details of online giving there. But as we sow in today, no matter whether you have to press a button on the computer or on the app, or whether you're filling out a form or putting funds into the buckets, I, I want you to picture yourself this holy transfer, this transfer of what you have putting trust and confidence in a magnificent Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you, our God of blessing, your God of favour. And as we sow in today, it's just not something we're just releasing. This is something of a supernatural exchange, a holy moment. And Father, I don't give to get, but I do know your principles that whatever we sow, we shall also reap. And so Father, we attach our faith to this moment. We pray that your kingdom would expand right across our great city and nation and world as we sow financially. We give you thanks in your wonderful name. Amen. Thank you so much, host team, as we receive our tithes and offerings. Would you let him bless it? Would you let him bless it? He's a God of blessing, God of favour. As the story goes on, when God blesses something, the next thought is that God will always come and break as well, is that there must be a breaking in order for multiplication to take place. Verse 16, it says, And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, He blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. It has to be broken before it can be multiplied. This is it. I love this. Dive into the story right now. Dive into it. Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and the inventory count is correct. The stock takes right. There's five fish, a couple of loaves. The count's correct. And then Jesus starts to break it and that's where we lose count. I don't know how this miracle came about, but He blessed it and now as He breaks it, something changes. There's a multiplication that takes place. So we no longer keep track of what's taking place in this moment of however this miracle came about. I wanna let you know today that there's always blessing in the breaking. That in our brokenness, there is blessing. Wow. Is that you and I have to put ourselves in a position where we, are, where we can be broken in order for God to, be black, to bless us. See, the blessed life comes also through a broken life. And this morning, maybe you find yourself in a place where you life's just worn away at you, that you are broken. I wanna let you know that's a very pleasant place to be if you remain in the hands of a God because a, a God will always reshape and reform and refashion our lives. It's, it's okay to be broken as long as you're broken in the hands and relationship with God. Jeremiah chapter 18 says these words. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. This is an incredible picture of, of all of our lives. And it's a picture of the, the father at the potter's wheel shaping a life. And as he is shaping a life, as he is moulding that, that clay, it says that it is marred in his hands. It is broken in his hands. There, there is a defect that's in his hands. And this morning, maybe you're in that place where you just have been broken. 
There's something that just hasn't worked out right. And the account goes on and gives us good news. So it says the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. It's okay to be broken. You just have to be broken in the hands of an almighty God that will reshape you and will reform you, that will put you back together. If you're broken outside of His hands, that, that is a problem. But if you're broken in His hands, He simply says, it's all okay. Let me reshape you. Let me rebuild you. I, I have found in life and through meeting so many of you and you meeting me is that we're all a bunch of crackpots. <laughs> and that's okay. Because God has just comes and refashions us and reshapes us again. It's okay for you and I to be broken in the hands of God because He will rebuild your life. He'll establish something so magnificent inside of your life. Don't be in a place of despair if you're in a place of brokenness. No, hang on and say, hey God, now's the time for a great reshaping. Now's the time for something to come back. That where I've not been knocked down, I'm gonna stand back up again because I'm in your hands. They lose count. This time of brokenness. I found them, some of the most best, blessed people in life have been the most broken people that have just said, hey God, would you put me back together again? I desire to be fruitful and multiply. My life's just back in your hands. We find in this place of breaking is that the, the quality does not change of the loaves and fishes, but the quantity does. Could you dare to believe that God could bring increase, fruitfulness, multiplication around about your life? And then it goes on. The loaves, the fishes get divided. So whatever Jesus multiplies, He expects for you and I to divide. He just wants you and I to give it away. Whatever blessing, whatever things He's placed inside of our lives, would you, would you just give it away? Because we know in the Kingdom of God, we're not gonna have any, any, any less of that thing that time, that talent, that trade. We're not gonna have less of it because His principle is activated, the eternal principle. There'll be seed time and harvest. I have to believe that. Whatever God's given, would you just keep scattering the seed? Just keep putting it out there. Just let it go out of you and see what God is going to bring back to us. Would you recognise what you have? Would you release what you've recognised? Would you allow God to take it in that exchange and bless it and to break it? And my final thought is this, that there is always a feast in the fragments. Verse 17 of Luke 9, it says, And so they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Another version, John 6 and verse 12 says this, So when they were filled, Jesus said to His disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And therefore they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with the fragments. Thousands of people have now eaten. They were beginning to stand up and to move and to go back to their homes because the hour is late. Their bellies are full and Jesus stands up at the very end of it and says, oh look, just, you just do one thing for me before you all go. Could you just look around your area there and could you just pick up the fragments, the leftovers? Could you just do that for me? I, I know you wanna get home, but if you just, just have a look around your area, just, just collect them up and you can bring these little fragments and put them in the baskets down here. And as the people then turn their attention to the leftovers, to the fragments, the fragments are the, the broken off parts, the discarded parts, the disconnected, the dislocated parts. And humanity is now on the search for these fragments all over the field, all over the desert that day and they collect them up. And this is an incredible story of a miracle of provision. But 
I think this is just so powerful is that we all have broken off bits of our lives. We all have discarded bits of our lives. We, and Jesus is saying, hey, look, you know what? I want you to gather them up. This is a feast in the fragments of our lives. And I know this has been such a tough season for so many people. Seasons where things have been broken off your life. Things have been disconnected and dislocated. And the heart of God is, hey, don't discard those things that have been fractured or broken off. Would you, would you gather them again? Would you gather them together? It's valuable. Every part of you is valuable. Every part of this great miracle is valuable. Just, just don't discard the leftovers. I, I'm not into leftovers. I don't like Nadine cooking something today and eating again tomorrow. I'm not like that, that type of guy. I don't like leftovers. But here leftovers were of significant importance to Jesus on that day. The fragments were so important. Those disconnected, dislocated areas that we all have at different times in our lives, that don't just discard them. Would you allow the potter just to put them all back together again? Because there's a feast in every aspect of your life, in the brokenness and in the wholeness. You know, over my years of just being, decades of being in relationship with Jesus, I, I have seen the different nature and character of God. I have seen God, that He is such a precise guy, God. He's into precision. He's better than a Swiss watch. He's better than a Mercedes Benz. He's into precision. You know, when He creates the universe, He sets the earth at the right distance from the sun so that we wouldn't overheat and or overchill. With the tides, He sets their, their appointed boundaries unless there's some other influence from nature. As the tide comes and goes at a set point in the earth, He's a God of precision. Our human body, it's so precise in its movements, but on this day of this great miracle, God wasn't precise there. Is that God shows another nature of who He is, that He is our Jehovah Jireh, He is our great provider. He's not just a God of precision, of God of enough, but He's also a God of more than enough. And that's the position where He wants, there's areas and times where He needs to be so surprised so precise with us, but there's also times where He wants you and I to put us, put us into an overflow position. That David said words like this, is, is that my cup runneth over. Well, what a picture of a life. Is that God saying to David, David, <laughs> I'm not contained by your capacity. I am a God of more than enough. And I can pour it in and pour it in and let it overflow out of your life. I want it to spill out of your life, not for your glory, but for my glory. And in the spilling, it's gonna affect communities around about you. It's gonna affect individuals around about you. Would you and I recognise what we actually have? Don't discard the fragments of life. Because there's a feast in there. Will you please stand for a moment? I want to pray for you. You know, I sense this week, even as I'm praying this morning, we're living in a world of uncertainty. We see nations across the world right now, even financial, financial markets collapsing, crypto markets collapsing, interest rates rising, inflation rising.
and we can look at the environment around about us, wars taking place. And, and we can retreat, we can step back. We can put ourselves in a place of fear and anxiety. I love Pastor Joey's prayer moment today, the, the peace of God that surpasses all of our understanding. So often we can consider the external circumstances and it dictates our internal belief system. No, no, no. Always allow your internal belief system to dictate the external, not the other way around. And this morning, if you're in a place of anxiety, it's tough. It's tough for mum and dads right now. Put fuel in the tank and food in the fridge. Cover your rent, cover your mortgages. I, I encourage you, don't, don't allow fear to grip your heart right now. Don't allow fear to grip your heart if you're a parent, thinking, wow, what a world my kids are growing up in right now as a grandparent. What are my grandkids growing up? No, no, you've got to stay in a place of faith and stay in a place of belief. Stay in a place where God's nature, God's character does not change. Immerse yourself in this story day in, day out. God, I've got something. It may not look like much right now, but I'm gonna put it in your hands and we're gonna see what's gonna take place. So I've gotta keep my trust and my comfort in God. Heavenly Father, I thank You for every person here in person and also online today. And as we have a world that is raging around about us, I thank You that You are immovable, that You are our firm foundation, that You are our rock, You are our truth and You are our life source. Father, where there's anxiety, we declare peace. Where there's been mourning, there's joy coming. Where there's been heartache, turn around for good today. The God is your sons and your daughters. You're a God, not just of enough, of more than enough. I thank you. There's a great blessing. There's also a great breaking in your hands. And Father, we just simply say, God, just do whatever you need to do. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice to you. I relinquish control. And I just say, God, just do what you need to do. Navigate my footsteps. Navigate my language. Let me take every thought captive today. Let us dwell and meditate on the right things. Knowing that your love for us can't be measured. Knowing that you're for us, you've got our backs, you're with us. Let your peace reign right now at this time. Let your favour reign, let your blessing reign. Let your miracles come forth through broken bodies, finances, relationships, salvation. We give you thanks in your wonderful name. This morning, just as I finish, I'd just love to ask you one question. And the question is this, is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? It's such a massive question. So many in this congregation online have answered that question, saying, you know what, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. And today, maybe you're here, you've never ever made that decision, or maybe the, the season of life has just worn you down. It's worn you down to such a place where you're no longer in that vibrant relationship with Jesus. And today, I'd love to pray for you, whether you're in person or online, for you to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. There's nothing you could ever do that would separate you from the great love of God. He loves you so much. And this is the greatest miracle of all. We've just shared one of the great miracles, but the miracle of a life being surrendered into the hands of God that He can shape and form and fashion. That's the greatest miracle of all, that old things have passed away and today's a new day. Every stain of sin and wrong that you've done is completely washed away. At this moment, we surrender our lives to Jesus. And today, I just wanna ask you this question. Do you, do you need to receive Jesus? And 
If you're like that and you say, hey, Mike, would you please pray for me? I'd love you right now in this moment just simply to lift up your hand and say, Mike, would you please pray for me? I I need Jesus Christ. I I wanna follow Him as my Lord and my Saviour because that is the greatest miracle online. If you just press the the link there, just so you guys, thank you so much for that hand over there. I appreciate that. Is there others this morning today that would just join with that person just to receive Jesus? As I look one last time, just shoot your hand up high. So I'd love to pray for you, introduce you to the Saviour. Thank you, sweetie. Heavenly Father, I thank You. You're a good God. And Jesus, You came, You surrendered Your life so that we could be placed in a relationship with You, made whole. There's no separation, no gap between us. You've declared us as sons and daughters of God. For those ones today that have made the decision to follow You, Father, I thank You that now today's a new start, a new beginning. The day where they are being born again, not by anything they have done, but by everything You accomplished on the cross. And I pray as they follow You, that they would never ever be ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we give You thanks for Your saving grace. And for those here today, Father, where we have surrendered our lives to You, that again, I come back afresh and I say, God, just have Your way. Present my life to You again. Pour Your grace, pour Your favour out over us. We give You thanks in Your wonderful, wonderful name. Let's put our hands together for those ones that made a decision to follow Jesus today. Congratulations.